Hi there, folks, and welcome to the Life Saving Gratitude Podcast. I'm Bunny Terry, and I'm joined by my co-host and producer, Johanna Medina. And this episode is special, not that the others aren't special as well, but today, when you're hearing this episode, today is the ninth anniversary of the day that I went to the emergency room and um, think, thinking that I had appendicitis and was told that I had stage four colon cancer, from which grew this entire movement of life-saving gratitude. Because um, if I hadn't been diagnosed with cancer, if I hadn't been through that journey, then we wouldn't be here right now. So um, uh, thank you for being here. And I don't think there are going to be any triggers, but I want you to know we're going to talk about some um, you know, just, just the fact that sometimes you think you're the healthiest person in the room and you're not. So, um, Johanna, you take it away from here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I had, well, I just been looking at the calendar, scheduling things. I was like, oh my gosh, next week or today is when this episode drops, it's going to be the ninth year anniversary. Like you said, of, when you not necessarily got di- not necessarily got diagnosed, but when you went into the hospital and your whole cancer journey started, and I thought it would be fun to do um, just a little look back and a special episode for that anniversary. Um, and I thought it'd be cool if it was just just the two of us again, and I could kind of interview you and talk to you more about what that is like and kind of what it means to be nine years from that day, it's, it's weird. I mean, it, it, I don't know. I think, I think nine is a big one. Obviously 10 will be even bigger, but, um, <laughs> right. and at, at eight years, you know, is when you, your book came out, but a lot has happened in this last year too. So I like, I think it'll be fun to, to look back at that time. Um, so just because some people that are listening and of course, if you're new, a new listener, thanks for joining and definitely check the links below or go to Bunny's website at bunnyterry.com and buy her book, Life Saving Gratitude, where you, you can get the whole story of her journey. Um, but if you haven't listened to our podcast before, um, I thought it would be good to start out with, you know, kind of how that all started. So... I know it's been a while, but I know also know that you think about it a lot. So can you kind of take us back to that day on November 9th and, and tell us what that was like? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's good to look at it in the context of where I was. I had just moved to Santa Fe in August of 2012 and I was really excited to live here. I was, you know, it was like I'd wanted to live here all my life. And I had, you know, been busy being a single mom and raising kids. And, um, and suddenly I found myself in a position where I could move to Santa Fe. And I got here and really thought I had the world by the tail. I was, um, you know, I had great clients. I was doing a lot of online marketing, a little bit of real estate, but not very much at, because the market was slow then. We were in the midst of recovery. And I I thought I was the healthiest person in the world. And in fact, I was certain of it because I had lost so much weight 
in the year before I had moved <laughs> here. So I was, I was really, I felt like I was really fit and I was having a great time. And I, people always ask me, um, or, or I see it on forums because I'm a lot of, on a lot of stage four colon cancer forums on Facebook and elsewhere online. And, and what people say is, well, what are your symptoms? Because I think everybody has this idea that if you have cancer, you have really significant visible symptoms. And I would say I had no symptoms, except that I had lost like 22 pounds in nine months. And I thought that was, I thought that was pretty damn cool. Um, the other thing is that um, I was a little lightheaded. But other than that, I had no symptoms. And the day I went to the hospital, I... Well, the- I don't want to interrupt you, but what did... You had complained about being lightheaded right. a bit. And what what did people always tell you? Oh, it's your hormones. It's... I was 51. Yeah. You're just, just getting old. It's your hormones. Yeah. 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 And You're so, a woman. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's... And I think that happens. I think that people tend to think that women have more health problems. And so when you contain, you, you know, you complain of any um, gastro issues, people will say, oh, that's your, you know, you probably have irritable bowel syndrome or maybe you have a gallbladder issue. And I, I, I'm just, I'm here to tell you that you can never, um, cancer is not going to lightly tap you on the shoulder in my experience, um, it's, um, and, it, and it's not going to discriminate. It's not going to pick only people who are older or overweight or who have had past health problems. Um, it, it's in, it's a, doesn't discriminate and it just shows up when you least expect it, which, um, mm-hmm. happened to me. And I just had, you know, I'd gone on a blind date the night before, which was its own, brand of special. (laughs) And, and the night I had a little, I was really lightheaded now. And I knew when we were at the ER and the doctor said, um, what's been going on, you know, well, we know what happened, but I was really lightheaded for a very good reason. So when people ask me what my symptoms are, I just say, uh, I was lightheaded a lot. And for one day I had pain in my side, like, um, you know, like I had run a long race, but otherwise no symptoms. So I, um, I got up that morning and, um, I had had a rough night, um, thinking that I had the stomach flu and I got up that morning and went to the grocery store to buy some soup because that's what you do when you're sick. And I didn't, you know, I didn't have anybody. I was single at the time and you were at UNM and, um, I didn't have anybody to take care of me when I was sick. So I went to buy soup and I almost passed out in the soup aisle at Albertson's in Santa Fe. And I called a friend of mine who's the nurse practitioner. And she said, would you just go to urgent care? And the, and the bad news was that I had let my health insurance lapse because I had never used it. I was so healthy. I was a self pay. I didn't feel like I needed it. And I kept arguing with her about it. She said, it cannot break the bank. It'll cost you a hundred bucks. Go to urgent care. I went to urgent care. The doctor there said, I think you have appendicitis. I, you've, you have got to go. Your blood pressure is so low. You've got to go to the ER. My blood pressure was 70 over 30. 
And I went to the ER and, um, and that's when, you know, I called you and you came, but they were going to send me home because they had done an ultrasound and it wasn't my gallbladder and it wasn't my appendix. And the only thing we were waiting on was for my blood work to come back. And then the blood work came back Mm -hmm. and the doctor said, Mm -hmm. um, where are you bleeding? You know, do you have really heavy periods? And I said, I'm not bleeding. And he said, oh, yes, you are. <laughs> because your hemoglobin is so low that if you had shown up as a trauma patient, like in a car crash, you would not be alive. My hemoglobin was a 5.2. And it's supposed to that's be. That's the thing that's team. always stuck with me, too. That that's I don't know. Those. Yeah. That phrase and those numbers have always stuck with me. Yeah. And what he explained later is um, that. I had, once we went through the process of the next day of having a, a CT scan, we learned that I had a, a five and a half centimeter tumor in my colon that had perforated the colon wall and was bleeding out, but it was seeping into my abdomen. So I never had, you know, one of the signs of colon cancer is if you have any blood in your stool. Well, I never had blood in my stool because the blood was not getting there it was seeping into my abdomen and so i had this raw open oozing sore on my colon and and then i also had that little tumor on my liver that was almost the size of the one in my colon so that's the day just a little tumor no big deal yeah 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 so that's that that was november 9th 2012 Mm mm-hmm yeah. yeah. And, and, and like you said, it really, there could, looking back, you could kind of be like, oh yeah, maybe this, maybe that, um, the weight loss, maybe being tired, but there was nothing so obvious until that one day. And I mean, well, and I, I was only, I was, I wasn't tired as much as I was just out of breath all the time. And if I ever overexerted myself, I'd have a dizzy moment. And I would think, well, you know, I just went to Santa Fe at 7,000 feet. It must be the altitude. And, or I'd ask people, I'd say, man, I was really dizzy when I did that. And even my mom, you know, she said, uh, well, that's probably your hormones. You, maybe you're a little um, hypoglycemic. Who knows? But nobody ever said go to the doctor. And, and what I learned is that this is a tumor that started as a polyp probably 10 years ago, 10 years Mm -hmm. before my diagnosis. Before. Yeah. Well, and we don't have any, we don't have it in our family. You don't, there's no like genetic precursors. You're, you, like you said, you're a very healthy person. You've always been, never really had any, had you ever even been to the hospital before, except for like maybe childbirth? No, no, I had never, ever been to the hospital except for childbirth. And, um, and that's, I don't know how many times I could, can say this before people start paying attention. That's the thing about cancer is, and that's why you need to have regular checkups because um, it's, it doesn't tap you on the shoulder. It doesn't say, um, you know, this insidious disease is sitting in your body and it's, it's, um, and, and, and it's so bad now that it's, it's traveled to your liver as well. I mean, 
you know, I was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer and there isn't a stage five because that's as advanced as it's going to get. I had, there was some lymph node involvement. My liver had a tumor and, um, I, I was clueless until the moment that that doctor, you know, that I don't know if you remember, but they said, well, we're going to keep you, um, overnight and do a colonoscopy tomorrow. And, um, the, the doctor that came in was East Indian and he said, you have a mess in your colon. And I was like, uh, it's my colon. It's yes. always messy. <laughs> I remember that. Cause we're like, what is he saying? A mess, a mess. And we're like, um, is it, like I still didn't know. An ulcer? What, what is it? Yeah. And what I understand he was saying now is a mass mass in my colon. And, um, that's, that's where we began nine years ago. That's where this particular journey started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so crazy to think, I remember, you know, you were 51, like you said, you, I mean, um, and so at that time, you know, the screening age for your first colonoscopy was 50. So you, you know, barely would have missed that, but still, even if you would have gotten, I think even if you would have gotten your colonoscopy at 50, like it, I don't know. There's no telling where, where it would have been or what would have been going on, but they have actually changed the recommendations now on when to get screened because people are getting diagnosed younger and younger with colon cancer. Is it 45 now? Or 40? It is 45. And I just read a, you know, I call uh, the Colon Cancer Alliance just put out a, a meme somewhere that I want to grab a statistic that said one in 10 people who are diagnosed with stage four cancer today are, will be under the age of 40. And by 2030, the statistics predict the prediction is that colon cancer will be the number one killer of people under 40 in terms of cancer deaths. And that's that's, crazy. It is crazy because people tend to think that a colon cancer is an old person's disease. And while certainly cancer in general um, tends to affect, uh, uh, to overwhelmingly affect people in, uh, in old age, um, it is no longer an anomaly for somebody under 40 mm-hmm. to get diagnosed with colon cancer. And you and I went to call on Congress for fight colorectal cancer and met people who were diagnosed as young as eight. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. that there was a woman in that group that had um, been diagnosed with, can- with colon cancer when she was eight years old. So pay attention to your body. Um, I didn't. I mean, I just thought, well, it's it's no big deal. You know, I'll, I'll get through it. And... Um, and there's no criticism if you if you haven't been to the doctor yet, just go, just start right now, just go. Yeah, and and also because it's one of the most preventable cancers as well. Like if you get those regular screenings, you get the if you have a polyp, they just take it out right there. Yeah, you know, whatever, sweep sweep it out, pull it out. Yeah, you call it. yeah. But you could they do it in the middle of that in that um colonoscopy because that's what those polyps will turn into and um yeah so you could just you know not have to deal with that but also i know you know we talked about it before that that's like 
oh, we don't want to talk about that part of the body. We don't want to talk about our like bathroom symptoms. If you're having weird like poops or something, and then people don't. Right. Like, nope, people don't. Are people are scared to get a colonoscopy because of you know that the whole situation? But it's so worse. It's better than having cancer. I mean, come on. They'll knock well, you out. and it's not it's not a terrible <laughs> procedure. Um, you know, first of all, you um, take a you know you take this you drink this liquid that completely cleans you out. So it's like doing a quick cleanse, and yeah, cleanse. then 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 you get knocked out. You get a nice sleep, and uh, um, but it, you know the the. You and I, when you and I went to, I, th- I think it was the time that you went with me to call in Congress, we actually heard the Secretary of Health speak, the United States Secretary of Health speak. And he said what you just said, which is if people felt more comfortable talking about bowel movements, it's something we all do every single day. You wouldn't be alive if you weren't pooping. And it's something we do every day. And yet, our society has trained us to never speak of it as though it's something shameful. And he says, he said at that, when he spoke, he said, if we would just learn to say to one another, you know, I had this really weird looking poop today and it kind of freaked me out. Then you could say, uh, wait a second, that's not normal. If you've had poop that is the size of your little finger, you need to see a doctor. Um, if or you if there's blood in it for sure. <laughs> right. If you have black tarry substance in your poop, you've got to see yeah. a doctor. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it isn't anything. Maybe you've um maybe you do have an ulcer. Maybe there's something else going on. Maybe you ate some maybe you had beets for dinner, but you look at it. Take a look. And um man, I'll talk about it to anybody now. I'll I am happy to visit with anybody. I think that everybody should know that the, you know, even though today is the ninth anniversary of um, the day that I went to the hospital, um, you know, there was a process there. We, I had a CT scan. Um, I then had um, a port, you know, I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. I had a port put in place. I had chemo. I then had surgery and then I had more chemo and the news is good. Um, they got the tumors. They took out the lymph nodes that were affected. Um, I did not have, um, I don't have a colostomy. Um, a lot of people are like, well, if, if I go and they diagnose me, then I'll have to have a bag. I mean, I think there are some people who are, who find it preferable to remain ignorant about their own health than to face what might be going on. And I would say, I I know people, I know a lot of survivors of stage four cancer. Um, You can do this. If you're having symptoms, you got to get to a doctor. So I think that's such a good, um, I guess, kind of PSA for, for colon cancer too. And you are such a great advocate. It's, it's still, you know, even nine years later, a big part of your life and a part of what you do. Uh, you know, you are the chair of the Cancer Foundation for New Mexico. Well, and I would say that um, I, I think it's important also to, to express gratitude for this diagnosis. I mean, it was a nightmare at the time. I mean, we were, well, first of all, 
first of all, when you're diagnosed, um, and probably for you as my daughter and my caregiver, um, you go through all those grieving stages that um, people go through when they lose someone. Um, you know, I would, we talk to a lot of people on this podcast who have been through some really difficult times and um, to a person, they say, um, you know, not, not that I'm glad I suffered that loss or certainly you're not grateful for some incredible losses, but you're really grateful for the experience. And that's, that's what I would say is that without that, I mean, I don't know. I don't know who I would be without that diagnosis. I don't know where I would be right now, but, um, you know, we were, you know, at the risk of sounding really, really cliche, we were, I was kind of rocking along with my life, not sure what I was doing, except, you know, I was mostly, um, you know, just trying to find my way. And then, whoa, holy mackerel, this thing happened that stopped me in my tracks and, um, made me redirect my purpose. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that you have to have that kind of a diagnosis. Like what I'm saying is that sometimes you have to stop your life, take a break, take a breather and, and maybe just rethink what your priorities are. That's, that's how it happened. Yeah. I, I wouldn't go back to somebody who didn't have this diagnosis and survival. I don't know. That's, I mean, you lived it too. What's, how does it feel to you? <laughs> oh no, I'm supposed to be interviewing you. No. <laughs> um, I know, I know, but I mean, but you do have this insight. It's, it's hard to say like, I don't know. I don't, I'm not quite, I don't know. It's hard. It's so many things have come from that, but at the same time, I, would I say, I wish you never had cancer? Yeah, I probably, honestly, I probably would say I wish you never had had cancer just because it, it was scary. And, uh, you know, every day I thought, well, not every day, a lot of days I thought I might lose my mom from this, especially in the beginning. After we got going and we, you know, you got into treatment and everything, it did, there was a lot more hope, but, um, I am grateful. I mean, it happened and you can't change that. So you do need to help to look at the, the silver lining of it, I guess, and what came from it. So, I mean, I am grateful for the experience. Uh, you know, I'm grateful for the time that we had together. If you hadn't been diagnosed with cancer, I would have moved to Wisconsin with my ex-boyfriend. So, and we would have been apart. And who what? knows what would have happened. Yeah. And and because of your diagnosis, I got to spend nine months with you, just enjoying my time with you and getting to take care of you. And you were you were gracious enough to, you know, like let me live with you for free and um and take and take care of me too, you know? So there was, there was, a, and we had a lot of fun together. We went on, even like we had to go to Houston to go to MD Anderson and, you know, for even to see if you were eligible for surgery and then surgery and then checkups. Like we made each one of those trips fun. I think, I mean, well, you made them fun. So I'm grateful for all those things that happened in between and even after, and, you know, I'm, I became a social worker because of that, you know, that was the real driving force for my career. So that's, 
huge. And um, so, yeah, I am grateful for those things. I, do I wish that we could have done all that without the big C <laughs> looming over us? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think it's, I don't know. And it's also so great that your book came from that. Again, you know, it's not the book you wanted to write. That was even the first title of it. So, um, but yeah, that kind of leads into also my, my next question was going to be, and it's kind of obviously a loaded one because it, because of all the time that's passed and everything that has happened. But for you, what do you think have been the biggest changes in the last nine years and either because of, or in spite of that diagnosis and everything you've been through? Well, I think, I think one of one of the things that happened is that when you um, survive something like this, um, your your confidence level, you know, I, I, I mean, I was 50 years old, but I still wasn't um, as certain of myself as I am now. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I, I, you know, we always, we, we always um, quoted that meme that said, I kick cancer's ass. What's your superpower? But um it's, it, uh, you know, all of that energy that I used to spend thinking about, you know, how do I look? And, you know, I wish I were thinner and I wish my teeth were straighter and I wish I had better something. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever, whatever the things are that we grow up with um, in terms of body image. Um, it's a, it's a big change to me now to feel so self-assured about this body that works. You know, it's less about what it looks like and more about how well it works. I mean, I learned in the middle of that to be grateful for the body I had as opposed to fighting it. You know, I really feel like I spent the first 50 years of my life fighting my body. And it's not because I have a bad body or anything. It's because that's what culture that's what specifically, I think, American culture teaches us to do is to wish we were better at, at something, at, at how we look or at um, how we think. And I, that's a big change is that I'm much more at ease with myself. Um, I think the other one is that I, while I grew up with people who were all about charity and giving back and working hard for the underdog, I don't know that I would have done that um, without this experience. And, and um, you know, now I even, you know, when I talk to marketing clients, I'll say, you got to pick a charity. I mean, you've got to be part of something that's bigger than yourself. And you just can't keep rolling through your life. And I don't even know what people do who aren't involved in giving back. I don't know. I don't know what they do with their time. I don't. And I'm not blowing my own horn. I'm I'm just saying that this is a choice that that I make every day, which is to give some part of my day to someone who needs my time. Or you know, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I work so hard at my real estate career is so that I have money to give to charities. So um, I think those are big changes. Um, I am the second book I'm working on is about um, how I thought that I was circling happiness all my life that I thought, you know, any minute when I get, you know, 
when I get more money, when I get a better job, when my kids get raised and I feel like they're successful and safe, when, 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 well, I, I wasn't circling happiness. I was in the middle of it. We, I mean, we had a great time and I had a lot of fun, but I didn't perceive my life as that because I just, it, you know, it's kind of like my body image. I just had this idea that I should be better somehow. And, and I should have more, I should be happier. I should, well, I had it already. It's just, it's more about um, noticing, paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. So along with like the things that have changed, what would be like your biggest piece of advice for people? You know, what you've learned throughout the journey. I know like, of course your big thing is, gratitude and that's what we're all about and it's podcasts and your book, but what's some other, like, you know, you are always asking your guests, what's your big three takeaways, you know? And so I want to ask you that, what, what are your three big pieces of advice you want to give your listeners? The first thing I would say is listen to your body, listen to, you know, I think I knew, well, I'm sorry. I didn't know that something was wrong. However, looking back now, something was obviously going on with my body. I had, I had fought with my weight my entire life. And then suddenly I was 22 pounds lighter. I remember going to a store downtown in Santa Fe, parts unknown. I remember um, going down there and um, trying on clothes before I was diagnosed in the three months after I moved to Santa Fe. And then before I was diagnosed and Um, I weighed like 12 pounds less than I weigh right now. And I came out of the dressing room in some outfit and the, the salesperson said, wow, you look amazing. Do you work out all the time? And I said, I don't, I don't work out all the time. I just, um, you know, I've, I've suddenly lost some weight. It's so amazing. Well, that was a signal from my body that things were not the way they should have been. So, so my, so one big piece of advice I would give people is listen to your body. And if it's not right, don't delay, get to a doctor, have somebody take a look. Um, The other thing I would say is you don't have to get diagnosed with a life-threatening disease to start to pay attention to your life and to start to recognize that, um, We don't want to be on autopilot. You know, we've had um, Daphne Miller a couple of times here to talk to us about um, how our brain wants to use the least number of calories. So so we always take the easy way. Be mindful. Um, Even if you don't have cancer, you have the opportunity to be mindful and pay attention to your life and be more present. And, you know, the last piece of advice I would give give somebody is just love yourself. Give yourself a break. You are, you're perfect the way you are. Um, there's, and, and you can do the thing that you're, you've been dreaming of doing. You know, you can write a book, you can create an amazing painting. You can marry the person that you're, or, or be in a relationship with somebody who's worthy of you. Um, it's weird that I had to get cancer to get all of that insight. It's crazy. I don't, I don't want anybody else to have to get cancer to get um, to the place that I find myself now. Yeah, no, hopefully they'll hear your advice and, and get there. But I think that's, those are, that's great advice. And, right. and you, 
obviously you've learned a lot from your experience and even just this past year, all the people that we've talked to, man, we've, we've had some really amazing conversations. I feel really lucky that all the people we've gotten to talk to. Oh, I know. And it's only going to get better. And hopefully people will stay with us along the journey. So what, what about now? What are you most grateful for today and now in this stage of your life, phase of your life? I got to tell you, I'm most grateful that what I learned is never to stop um, learning. You know, I'm, I, I, I would have thought, um, you know, when you get to 60, uh, you'll have all the answers. And what I know now is that it just goes on. You know, you and I get to talk to smart people, um, evolved people, people who are really intuitive, who have had um, similar experiences. We, we are getting more and more powerful and mindful and um, our lives are taking shape as, as, as we exist right this moment. And, and so, so the exciting thing to me is that, um, man, life, life just keeps getting better and fuller and richer and more powerful. And I'm really grateful for that. I'm grateful that, you know, I would, I surrounded myself with, um, this, and some of this, I just have to give some credit to moving my real estate license to a place where, we talked about mindfulness and personal growth all the time. And that's, you know, that's Keller Williams. I, I'm sure there are other companies that do something similar, but I learned early on in my career with Keller Williams that every single day is an opportunity to, to give back and to give yourself a, the gift of some sort of growth. And I, I don't know that I would have known that otherwise. You know, most people put them just get on autopilot and and are in survival mode, even in the simplest of lifestyles. And man, I'm grateful that we're not doing that anymore. I'm so excited. Um, it's every day is a new day. And I read this article the other day that said um, your most productive um decade, they've found that the most productive decade in life is between 60 and 70. I'm like, wow, I'm just starting. I'm excited. Um, You know, that's when people write the most books. That's when people um, finally reach some pinnacle of success that they've created for themselves. And I'm like, man, I'm just getting started. I'm excited. Yeah. You sky's the limit. Now you've already done it once. And I think, yeah, your confidence has just grown and and the fact that you, you know, you, you bring people up with you and you want to help other people reach their dreams too is such a huge part of that. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, I'm really glad that we took the time to like, to do this episode and talk about it. People don't typically celebrate the anniversary of when they were diagnosed. Usually we're celebrating, you know, like cancer free and, and we will celebrate that too. But I think it's great to look back at this and acknowledge how huge nine years is. Um, I mean, is there anything else you'd like to to leave the listeners with on your special anniversary episode? I, well, I would, and this is only because this comes up a lot in discussions. Um, it, people are always asking me, you know, my wife, my best friend, my somebody I know just got diagnosed and, and what should I do? And there are a couple of things that I want to leave our listeners with. It, it is so hard 
when somebody you love and somebody you care about gets diagnosed and, and Johanna, you know that better than I do, but, but what I would say is everyone's journey is different and you need to recognize that it's their journey and not yours. It's their cancer and not yours. And sometimes you just have to sit back and not try to solve everything. I can't recall exactly what it was that Daphne said about um, resilience, but she said, one, you know, one of the things that we have to recognize is that we can't fix everything. And when somebody you love is diagnosed with cancer, you can't fix it for them. You can only be present. Um, Toby would say, because my husband would say, because he lived through the loss of, of, um, his fiance to colon cancer, he would say, sometimes you're just the witness. And all you can do is stand by and say, um, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm, I'm here every single day. But there is this tendency. And, um, and we know somebody who was just recently diagnosed. There's this tendency, even on my end, to want to jump in there and say, well, here's what you got to do. Here's, you ought to go here for a second opinion. Here's the doctor you ought to see. Here's what you ought, uh, you have to, don't do that. Don't do that. It's not your cancer. It's not your journey. You just need to be present. And I would say that's pretty true of life. Um, stop giving advice and instead just give them your presence. Um, send them a nice snuggly blanket. Um, send somebody to clean their house. Um, send them a book that they might want to read while they're sitting in a waiting room, but don't, don't try to take charge of that experience for anybody else. That's, that's my best advice to people who haven't, who haven't been diagnosed, but have know somebody who has. And go and read our blog posts. We've had some blog posts about what not to say to a cancer patient. It's, it's, Yeah. That is a whole nother podcast is like what not to say to a cancer patient, but we'll just leave you with that. Um, all I was going to say too is be checking our social medias. Uh, well, bunny social media uh, at life saving gratitude pod. And you can find bunny at on Facebook at bunny Terry author, because we're going to be doing some fun giveaways as think as kind of, thankful month you know it's november we're getting ready for thanksgiving and the holidays so we're actually going to be doing a giveaway every week <laughs> of our special special granite gratitude merchandise if you haven't seen our bunny's gratitude nerd mugs we give those to every podcast guest and now we're going to give one away to one of our listeners so go check that out go check out our social media and fi- figure out how you can um enter to win that merch. And we're going to do a new one, like I said, every week for the month of November. So, all right. Just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah. I'm excited. And I would just say, yeah. Yeah. Just, um, you know, thanks for listening. Wherever you listen to podcasts, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. And uh, thanks for checking in. Happy November. Happy November.